So this Christmas season, I wanna, I'm going to look at four words, four words that are particularly present at Christmas. We see them everywhere, right? Peace, hope, joy, and love. Peace, hope, joy, and love. We say them, we sing them, we drink coffee out of mugs with them printed on them, right? We decorate with them, they're on our trees. Uh, it's part of advertising, and it's all at Christmas. Like, we use these words throughout the year, but this is more present this time of year, and Christmas is associated with these words. And so, because Christmas has been with us our whole lives, we're just kind of used to seeing it. Even if you're someone maybe not, you haven't believed in God and not really a part of it, you still maybe even used to seeing these words. And so we, we, since we just read and interpret them, how we normally read and interpret them, we've kind of lost the, the core meaning. But as Christ followers, as Christians, we, we know that they have a much richer and deeper meaning that goes way beyond what we typically know when we think about peace or hope or joy. And it's why they are so much a part of Christmas time. And so this Christmas, I want to recapture why these words are here at Christmas. And so whether you're pursuing faith or you're maybe beginning of that process or you've been following Christ for years, you are invited into this conversation. I pray that it will bring great meaning into your life this year. And so last week we talked about peace. And so if you haven't guessed, we're doing these in order. So peace. And today we're going to talk about hope. And I love each one of these conversations, but I think this is one that is kind of always there in some way for us as we think about the word hope. And I think a lot of what we think about hope is anticipation. And that's absolutely true. And if there's any other thing that's, that brings the time of anticipation, it is Christmas, especially as a kid growing up. But as a parent, I love the anticipation of getting my kids gifts. So last, last year, I got my kids a Switch, and they were not expecting it. And, and it was actually, I kind of joked with my wife, I was like, did we just not give our kids any kind of hope for anything? They're like, they were not, it was not on the radar. I think they had given up. I don't know. Anyway, maybe I did too good of a job of selling that. But anyway... They had no idea it was coming, but I knew that they were possibly going to run out last year, and so I bought it way ahead of time, and I couldn't stand the anticipation. I was like, oh my goodness, I just want to tell them. I just want to break it out. Let's just start playing it right now. Like, I had to wait almost two months. I bought it so far ahead of time. There was one time my son, when he was really little, was opening up uh, a gift and present. This has become uh, famous in our family, but he's ripping it open, and he's just seconds away from actually figuring out what it is, but he couldn't even wait. He just blurts out, it's about to be something, and he was just so excited, and we laughed so hard, and he finally got to whatever. I don't even remember what the present was, but, but so now every time anybody opens a gift in our house, we're like, it's about to be something, and, and so it's really fun, but the anticipation of things is so much fun. And so, and so what is that? You know, hope is kind of that joyful anticipation. But there's a deeper meaning that comes with hope. And what's fascinating is as we associate the words peace, hope, joy, love with Christmas time. But if you read the Christmas story, if you really look into it, what you find is a story where people have been disrupted. You see words like terrified, afraid, don't, do not fear. And today I want to look at Joseph. Last week we looked at the story of Mary a little bit and how she was not experiencing peace. 
and her circumstances. And today I want to look at Joseph. And if you look at Joseph's story, his world crashed. The story of Christmas for him disrupted his world. He was confronted with circumstances, and he was confronted with people's opinion of him and how it made his world kind of shift in a huge way. And so our obsession with ourselves, just like Joseph and others, and you'll see why. You can see by the evidence of his actions why that impacted him. But our obsession with ourselves, the same thing. Our lives and our security can often undermine our hope. When any of these things in our lives that we long for don't work out or don't happen the way you thought it would, our hope is dashed. And many times, if it's, if it's something that you've poured your life into, your identity is attached to it, whether it's people liking you or being known or just having a career or status or you know, your parent approval, whatever it is, when that goes away, you're, we're devastated and our hope is gone. We've experienced a lot of that this last year or two. And so many times we push back and we miss out possibly on the, the opportunity to experience hope in a deeper way. And so, so I'm going to look into this story. And Joseph, you know, and, and if you've heard the story, you kind of know, but, but Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married. And so that, that, that engagement in this time in the culture that they were in, uh, it lasted a year, the engagement did. And it was binding. It was as strong as a marriage commitment, essentially, in their culture and time. And so the only way out of this, of a uh, being engaged, was just like for us in marriage in our culture today, where it was either divorce or death. That was the only way to break that bond of an engagement. And so if in, in, in their time, if the fiancé happened to pass away during the engagement, the other would be considered a widow. And so, I mean, for us, we're like, well, they're essentially married. They were married in almost every way, except they hadn't come together physically and actually living together. They were still kind of apart in that way. And so this is where Joseph is in his life in this time, and they're preparing for this marriage. And so we're going to jump in here. This is found in Matthew 1, and it starts in verse 18, and it says this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, this is what I love about Scripture. What does it mean that before they came together? Well, we can just add quotations. Before they came together, all right, that's what that meant. Are you guys with me here? Okay, you're awake, you've had a coffee, we're good. Okay, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Like, if, if you've been reading this close to the culture of the time, and Matthew is a fascinating, Matthew is writing to a, a, a Jewish audience to help them understand the Messiah and Jesus coming, and so... If they didn't know this story, they'd be like, whoa, what? Like, this is shocking. This is great news. And this is, you know, this is pretty intense gossip. Like, that's it's significant. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And for us as Christ followers, this is a foundational belief that we have. That God came down to us as a baby conceived of the Holy Spirit. It's an important part of our theology. It's amazing. So imagine Joseph hearing this from Mary, because that's exactly how it happens. An angel appeared to her, she became pregnant, and she tells Joseph. And he's like, wait a minute, pregnant? He's like, by who? The Holy Spirit? Okay, yeah, sure. And this is no joke if you've been with us for a while, but I always say, he's like, I knew it. I saw that donkey outside your place the other night, right? He's like, don't give me that. I saw that dude checking you out by the well. Like, you know, I knew, I knew it. Like, he, you know, I don't know. Like, this, but this is kind of like for real. Like, 
Like, we know by his actions or later that, I mean, from a human perspective, no matter how godly you are, like, how do you believe that? Like, that's your excuse, the Holy Spirit? So she, and from a human perspective, she's either a liar or she's crazy. Or maybe both, like, you know. So his world is crashing down. He's trying to be honorable. And so how do you find hope in this? And so there's a, three things I want us to kind of understand and know about hope. The first one is this, the hope. And you could throw peace in this if you will, if you wanted to. But hope often comes from disappointing circumstances. It often comes from that. And that's not how we want hope to arrive. And so Joseph is confronted with all kinds of things. Like, you know, what will people think of me? He would have been marked for life. He'd have trouble getting hired. No father would have blessed the marriage. This would have been dishonorable in their culture. You know, and, and we, you know we look back on that now. Like, that's, not, that's not great. But you even look back in our, our Western culture now, even you know, not too long ago, this, this is how we would act. And, and this was way more intense. No one would want to do business with him. He'd been pushed out for these types of things. So what does he do? And he's not sure, so... He bails in the relationship. He almost has the right to do that. So this is what it says. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he wanted to do it in an honorable way. He had a right to make it a big deal and, you know, well his arms and all this stuff. He's like, I'm going to do this quietly. But you can see, he didn't believe her. Isn't that interesting? Or he doesn't want to take the heat. <laughs> he doesn't believe her, doesn't want to take the heat. So it says he does a, the noble thing to divorce her quietly. He's not going to shame her, which some people in the culture could have done. And so maybe he's thinking, maybe I can start over. I've still got a long life and... I can find someone else and slowly build my reputation. I don't know, but maybe that's what he was thinking. And so in that moment, Joseph's hope for the future is gone. In that very moment, in his mind and his heart, I can't imagine the emotions. He's devastated. But what's fascinating is that this very act of the disappointing circumstance is actually when hope is introduced. A hope that, that solved any other hopelessness in the world was being introduced, and he was part of this significant story. God had put him in this. He had chosen him for this. And he doesn't leave Mary hanging. God doesn't leave Mary hanging there or Joseph as well. And we see why. We see why hope was introduced. And so Joseph was about to experience himself, but God had been showing us all along. And they would have been good students, most likely, of the scriptures, of the Hebrew scriptures that they've been brought up with. And they were all pointing to Christ in this moment. And, and here they were going to be the center of this story. But all along in these Hebrew scriptures, God was showing us that hope is found not in your circumstances, but hope is found in a person, not in your circumstances. And we see this all throughout scripture. This one tiny snapshot is in Isaiah. Isaiah is speaking, and they, they are experiencing a, a time of hope, and they're not experiencing God, and they're wondering where he is. And so, you know, how does he express, where does he find his hope? And this is what he says, Isaiah 8, 17. He says, I will wait for the Lord. And he's just as honest here. He says, who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob? 
I will put my trust in him. And this is a declaration of where a hope is found in God. True hope. This is the second thing for us, and this is really the center of, if you don't hear anything else today, this is it. The second thing for you to know is that true hope is found in a person. That is a central part of our faith as Christ followers. Our hope is found in a person, the person of Jesus. And that's why we sing about him the way we do why we worship together, it's why we follow him, and why the, 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 the celebration of Christmas has even come about. This is more than optimism. Just hoping for you know, circumstances in your life to kind of work out, and you're trying to reading the tea leaves. Optimism is kind of hoping for circumstances in some kind of way to work out. It's more than that. It's despite any circumstances. I will put my hope, my trust in him. And so let's continue in this story to see this begin to come about. Back to Matthew 1. It says, speaking of Joseph, but after he had considered this, considering divorce, right? He says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. I love it. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She, and I love how certain this is, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's it. In fact, you guys can leave that verse up for a little bit if you want to. That is the deepest hope that God knew that we needed to have. They were hoping for the Messiah. They were looking for this to come. God had promised that. They were, they were been waiting for a long time to see this kind of fruition. And they're thinking in that specific moment in time, we want God to come and we, we need the Messiah to come to overthrow the Roman government. Like that's what they wanted that to say. He has come that, that he will end the oppression from, from the Roman government. He will end like they have all these lists. And some of the, the disciples of Jesus, they, were, they had different interests of the time of like things that they were pursuing. And they were kind of selfishly thinking Jesus was going to come and do all of that. And the angel declares the heart of everything that we need. He's come to save his people from their sins. That there is something greater than any of those things that's broken. And that is leading us towards our death and destruction. Our sins have separated us from God. And we need to be rescued. And so that's a massive statement. That he's come to fix the ultimate wrong so that we could have the ultimate hope. But the circumstances of how this played out was not what we would always call hopeful or peaceful 
Thinking about last week with Mary, it's, you know, Joseph's the same way. Can you imagine the grief that Joseph and Mary endured just understanding the cultural context? They would have been scorned. They would have been gossiped about. People would have been like, no, Joseph's not really the father. Did you know that? Or they, they, you know, they, or, or they got pregnant before, and I thought they were good kids, and blah, 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 right? You know, and so like, there was scorn that they endured at the time. It was not easy for them to make that commitment. And so for centuries, they've been waiting for this Savior to come. But it just didn't look like what they thought hope would look like. And many times that's true for you and me. I find myself devastated for circumstances. Why? Because whatever I was hoping to see happen didn't. It didn't come out like I thought it would. And usually, disappointment, discouragement, hopelessness comes from circumstances not working out. We're a little frustrated with this thing called COVID. <laughs> it's not working out, right? Like in the things we thought, and, and so we're, it dashes our hope. We want hope and peace to come automatically. I mean, in, in, the, in the history, like even finding vaccines as fast as we did, not finding them, but developing, like that was some pretty incredible, that was pretty quick timing, so to speak, in, the, in regard to historic, history and historical things that have happened with that. It's like, well, we've got, like, we just want it now. Like we want to continue to find something. We want to purchase it. We want to have the app developed and ready so when we arrive, something happens. And so whether it's hope or peace, we just want to demand this. It's, we never wanted it to be something that we had to work for. We didn't want to work for hope or sacrifice our time or money or free time. We never, we never wanted to have to accept responsibility for some things that brought about circumstances. God showed us that it comes in different ways than we would expect. And sometimes it costs us some life, but it's leading us towards something that's greater. That's what real hope is. Usually, if you look back in history, those who made the biggest difference endured sometimes the greatest pain. I would say, looking back on my life and our, our church life here in the city, everything significant we have done for God usually came from sacrifice. It came from sacrifice. Starting the church was not easy for us to do, and, and it walked us through many things, and and the life, you know, that was a, not always easy. I sacrificed things that I wanted to be, to be able to see that happen. Things that I planned for didn't happen. And, and things didn't work out. Or relationships were hard to work through. And all these different things. And people walked away from the very beginning we started. They are like, this is not what I wanted it to be. And all these things were like, I didn't want this to happen. But, but I'll look back on that and I'll say, I love it. I love all of it. I love what God has brought about. And I wouldn't trade any of that. He has grown me more as a person. I have found a deeper hope and joy in him than through anything else I would have done. That's many times how it happens, how it's found. But what happens to us? What do we do when our circumstances fall apart? Or we just mess it up ourselves, right? Like many times that happens. And what do you do? Well, our hope is not found in the circumstances. Our hope is found in a person. It is in Christ. 
And when I'm usually struggling, I look up and I realize I've walked away from my hope being in him and I've been focusing entirely on my circumstances. And there, and circumstances, as you know, go up and down. It's not guaranteed. But the love of God is. So what does that look like? Well, then hope, this walks us into the third point today, is that hope comes through obedience. We trust God. Going back, thinking about that Isaiah passage we read, he says, God feels like he's turned his face on us, but I will trust in him. So extraordinary acts of God often start with ordinary acts of obedience. Hope was introduced through the the, the, the steps of obedience that Mary and Joseph took together. And why do we say that? Why is this important? Because our obedience is the evidence of hope that we have. The actions that we take to say, God, that you are my hope in our life, like those, those are the evidence of the hope that is, that is born in us. Despite everything going on around us, despite whatever circumstances in your world with with COVID developments or the fear of developments or job situation or workload or relationship status or whatever you did to sabotage yourself this week or last night, you know, like all of that. I hope in God and what we do, our actions are the evidence of the hope that we found deep inside. My hope, my hope isn't and COVID going away forever. But that would be nice. I would love that to happen. But that's not what my hope is in. It is in Christ, period. My hope is not in every relationship working out or financially and the security of all the things that I want to see happen. My hope is not in those things. I would, that would be nice. That would be nice to have. I would love to have incredible financial security. My hope isn't in that. My hope isn't in my job always working out. Or people coming and filling up this place on a Sunday. Sometimes it is, and when that happens, I realize my hope is in the wrong place. Those things would be nice. My hope is in Christ. He is the hope of the world. He is the hope of my life. Yeah, I know he's the one thing that I can look at. And I look at his death, and I look at his resurrection, and I know that he loves us, that God exists. And if you have questions, there are so many things that we can pursue to find that hope. But many times you experience God in the acts of obedience and trusting him. That's a relationship that he's invited you and I in. And there's no greater joy than that, than to see him in your life. And we declare here at DCC that he is the greatest thing that we can pursue. The Savior of the world was born when two teenagers... And you heard me right. They would have been teenagers when this all happened. Said yes to God. When almost everyone else would have said, don't do this. Walk away. Are you crazy? I love this. Can you imagine what, when Joseph saw the miracles performed? Where the resurrected Christ. And then when Joseph watched the church take off. Just like Jesus said it was, would. It's amazing to see that happen. They didn't know the details. They had no idea any of this story. 
And the same is true of us. We want those logical details. But you don't have to understand completely to obey right on the spot immediately. Outcome is God's responsibility. Hope is built when we look to the past and to see what has happened. We stand on that, what is sure, and we take steps forward to the future. My responsibility is to trust him, and there is freedom in that. You have no idea the story that you are setting into motion when you trust what God is showing you to do or has put on your heart to do. The next steps that we take lead us towards him. I love this. This is very similar to what we read last week of Mary's decision of when she responded to the angel. We'll go back to the Matthew 1 passage just to look at Joseph's response. Matthew 1, 24 says this. He says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. How awesome is that? He knew what was coming. He knew the consequence. But he's like, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to take Mary home. And much to Mary's delight, I mean, she's like, I have one person in this world that will believe me and know me and, and know that. And they set off in this incredible, crazy, circumstance-crashing journey of hope, a deeper hope, being brought into the world. This Christmas season, I want to invite you in to taking steps in your life towards the hope of Christ. What are the circumstances that are troubling you in your life? How can you and I turn off of that and find our hope in Christ? What are things that you can begin to do each day or each week that change your perspective on, on all of this? Maybe you can read scripture or pray, or maybe you can list out the things that are troubling you and you begin to give it to God. And that circumstance may or may not work out, but you can begin to find your strength and your hope in him. You're about to go visit relatives here in a week and a half or two, and you're already just going over these conversations in your mind. You know what? All right, here's a family member. I will put my trust in you, even if it feels like your face. And like, I mean, you guys know this, right? That may or may not be something going on in my own life. I can deal with that after the service sometime. But yeah, whatever it is coming for you, you can find your hope in him. Despite the circumstances, we have hope. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for coming to us. You didn't just leave us by ourselves to figure it out, but in, and throughout history, you stepped into our lives in different moments and helped us to know for certain who you are. And I don't know where we're at today in our own lives and our journey with you, but I pray that we begin to discover the joy of what it means to trust you and to take steps towards you. God, Christmas time is a time where hope can be found and hopes can be dashed. Or circumstances from the past can just seep into our heart. 
and cause pain and anguish. More than any other time, Father, we need you. And I pray that we would know the deeper hope that we can stand upon that never goes away. Father, we thank you. We love you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name.